Well, to understand this issue, this battle that we're seeing right now take place in our state, and it's been going on for years, and it's probably going to go on for more years, I want to look at some basic questions. What is the current water situation in the state? Where is our water? How is the water used? Who controls the water or owns the water? Why is there an argument? Why is this so contentious? Exactly what is the situation? Well, let's look at what the current water situation actually is. Texas is in a drought. Now, this, this data, it's March 2022 data, it's current data, is from the U.S. Drought Monitor. And it shows that the vast majority of Texas is suffering. It's either abnormally dry or in some form of a drought. Up in the north, north of Panhandle, you can see it's bordering on, in Oklahoma, it's very dire. It's exceptional drought. And that extends further down to extreme and then just to, I guess you would say, a normal drought. But the problem is, when we have a drought, our water supply can't be replenished. There's nowhere for it to come from. Okay, it's a very serious situation. And that is our current water situation in Texas. But we're not the only place that this is uh, impacting and affecting us. In fact, it seems the entire West is in the worst mega drought in 1,200 years. And you have to ask yourself, does climate change play a role? Now, regardless of where a person sits on the political fence, side of the political argument, the political parties, there's a reality. Something is happening. This image in the pay, on, the, on this slide is from a ranch up in Ballinger, Texas, which actually abuts the Colorado River. And there's usually, I've gone up that ranch over the years, there's usually been water in this creek. There is no water in this creek anymore. And when I was talking to them about, you know, why, it was a drought, obviously. And I mean, what about climate change? And the response was, we don't care what it's called. Something is happening. Something is changing. Something, there is a difference in everything. And they see it. And this ranch has been there for over 100 years. So they've seen it through generations after generation. Now, some scientists do believe that our current long-running mega drought, while perhaps not caused by climate change, is almost certainly exacerbated by it. The journal Nature Climate Change had a study that calculated that 42% of the mega drought can be attributed to human-caused climate change. Now, again, that's a very political statement, a political issue, and people just go crazy over it. The reality is something is happening. So. We know we're dry, that's a reality, can't change that. So we have to then look at our water supply itself. Okay, and that question becomes, where is our water? Well, when you look at the water supply in Texas, there's two types, groundwater and surface water. Groundwater is aquifers, okay? Those are porous rocks and caverns underneath the surface that store water, limestone, it's, they just, the water drains down and it penetrates into it and it's captured there. The picture on the left is Comal Springs over the Edwards aqu Aquifer, and it's actually where it's bubbling up. 
in San Antonio, they used to have San Pedro Springs where water would bubble up out of the Edwards Aquifer, but they've used so much water out of it that it's now dry. So you'll see that happening more and more as these streams, streams begin to dry up because the aquifers can't get the water up to the surface. And then there's our surface water. These are our rivers, lakes, reservoirs, ponds, things like that. And this image is from Lake Buchanan in Llano County. And it looks placid. It looks like there's a lot of water, and there is a lot of water there. However, it's also falling every time we don't have rain. And so what happens then is these are our water supplies. Now, Lake McCannon is part of the Highland Lakes. We have five lakes up here. We, and so we supply a lot of water taken off of the Colorado and the Llano rivers. But going back to our groundwater, like I said, it is stored in an aquifer. And according to the Texas Water Development Board, there are nine major aquifers and 22 minor aquifers in the state of Texas. Surface water, like I said, water found in rivers, lakes, ponds, and reservoirs. There's approximately a little bit over 6,600 square miles of inland water in Texas. And these can be found in 15 major river basins and eight coastal basins. So theoretically, there is a lot of water in Texas currently, but it's also being diminished and taken away and used and not necessarily being replenished. Well, so how is our water used? If we look at our water by category, this is in 2015, so the numbers have changed, but not significantly by the percentages. Our groundwater, 72% is used irrigation, agriculture. 22% municipalities, 6% other. So that's how that is split. It's all pretty much always been that way. Water is pumped out for irrigation because of parts of who owns it. And we'll talk about that in another slide. Surface water, on the other hand, municipalities use 51%. Irrigation, agriculture uses 22%. Manufacturing, 15%. Livestock, 2%. So, you know, I've heard people say, well, if you, you know, didn't have all those cattle, well, Cattle, goats, sheep, hogs, horses don't need, don't drink that much of the surface water. Not a significant amount. In fact, it's irrigation, municipalities, power, power uh, centers and things like that that actually use that water. So that's how the water breaks down. That's who uses the water. And that's a very important point to remember of who uses what water. So then we have to ask who owns the water. In this case, who owns the groundwater? Well, Groundwater in Texas is governed by the legal doctrine known as the rule of capture, and it's owned by the landowner, okay, because the rule of capture essentially provides that because a landowner also owns the land, he also owns the water beneath his property, and therefore, he has as much right to pump as much water as he wishes, even at the expense of his neighbor. Now, we're going to see in a few minutes how that's getting a little bit shaky. What about surface water? Well, surface water is owned, controlled, and allocated out by the state. Okay, the state grants the right to use the water to different people, such as farmers or municipalities, you know, industry, things like that. And again, this is beginning to figure in as to why there's such a 
problem, potentially a huge problem beginning to build when it comes to our water. So then we have to ask, why is there an argument? Well, it's numbers. You know, Texas population is expected to be over 54 million by 2050. Now, think about it. We're right now at about 29 million people. So we're going to add another, what, 30 million, a little bit under 30 million people. And these people are going to move primarily into what we call the Texas Triangle. That's Houston, Beaumont area on the east, Dallas, Fort Worth up in the north of Metroplex, Austin, San Antonio down in the south. So that's the Texas Triangle. Those are all urban centers. Now, two of them, Dallas, the Metroplex, and Austin, San Antonio, are all right on the edge. Okay, if you look at a topological map, you will see that it's green. It gets light green to dark green as it goes from Interstate 35 all the way over uh, towards the Louisiana, goes east, and it gets brown as it goes west. Okay, that's because it turns into desert. So that's going to be a problem. It's already a problem for San Antonio. In fact, San Antonio is piping in water from over 142 miles away. They built a big subdivision, Vista Ridge, and they did 450 homes. They didn't have enough water for it. They were trying to get their water out of the Edwards Aquifer. And San Antonio made a problem, made, made this problem, brought it upon themselves, essentially, when in 1992 they voted down creating the Applewhite Reservoir. You know, they didn't want to pay for it. And people say, oh, we don't need it. We won't save enough water. We'll just keep taking it from the Edwards. Well, it's not working all working out all that well. And San Antonio keeps growing. It keeps expanding. They keep putting in more and more homes on the north side of San Antonio. I know of another subdivision. They're going to put in like 1,200 homes. Okay, all those homes are going to need water. All those people are going to need water. All those businesses are going to need water. Corpus Christi. Beautiful city by the bay. Well, they're going to need an additional 27,000 acre feet of water by 2025 because they're trying to bring in more manufacturing. Okay, so they know when you get more manufacturing, you get more industry, you get more people. They're going to have to have water. Now, there is talk of creating a desalination plant, but it's, from what I understand, still on the drawing board. And then there's Dallas. Well, Dallas is projected to run out of water by 2035. So they need to find new sources of water. Where are they going to look? Well, of course, they're going to look out into the rural communities, out of the, the, the different aquifers, and try to pump water in. Or they're going to try to pump it in from out of state, and I don't know how well that's going to work. So you can see that this is where the arguments are beginning to take place. This is, this, this is the crux of the matter. These cities need more water than they have, and it's only going to get worse, okay? That's an important point. And when we continue to look at it, then we have to understand it's about economic power. There was an article in the Texas Tribune, and it says economic generators of the U.S. are cities. It's kind of an arrogant little comment by the head, the chairman, CEO of the San Antonio Chamber of Commerce, Richard Perez, when he says, Rural areas are still important, but cities are what is driving the state and the country. Now, 
that may be true. But rural areas are what is feeding the state and the country. And that cannot be denied. So if we can't have agriculture out in the rural areas, you won't have food unless you import it from out of state. And we've already seen what's happening when we try to import uh, internationally based on what's happening in the Ukraine. It's not something you can depend upon. And so since it, it's about economic power, but it's also about political power. Urban areas have the votes. Rural areas have the natural resources. You know, there are, in fact, more state representatives and state senators in greater Houston than there are west of Interstate 35. Urban areas do have the votes, and rural areas have the natural resources. So when our representatives meet every two years, thank heavens they don't meet more often than that, when they show up, there's going to be it's heavily weighted towards urban centers. So rules and laws are passed by how many votes people get. And quite often, votes are influenced by economic power, by lobbyists, people who go and let people know what they want. And so urban generators, urban power centers, are very focused on their situation at their time, making sure that people can turn on their faucets and get a drink of water, or making sure that they can keep their grass green Okay, so there's lots of nuances into this, but it's really all about I want to be reelected. I want to do what's best for my constituents in the short term is usually what they're really thinking about. We cannot keep sucking out more water than we put in. You know, there's only so much rain that's going to fall and recently it hasn't even begun. It's been consistent. It's terrible. And if we continue to simply withdraw water and increase the amount we use in urban centers, we will run out of water for agriculture, period. If we do not address the issue of climate change, the problem will only get worse. We cannot wish a drought away. We can start insisting that all citizens in Texas make an effort to conserve water before it's too late. Warning signs are very clear. A thunderstorm does not end a drought especially one that has lasted as long as this one has. So what steps can we take? Well, an article by William McKenzie, a senior editorial advisor at the George W. Bush Institute, wrote one called Smart Water Strategies, Let Texas Be Green and Grow. He has five steps that Texans can take to help protect one of, if not, and I think it is, the most important natural resource we have. First, we need to keep making our water planning process work for Texas. We can't have these plans that just sit there and gather dust and don't do anything. We've got to have things that are effective, efficient, and work. Municipal water reuse and conservation are key to Texas growing between now and 2036. If people don't want to reuse water, and we can recycle water, we do it here. We, I'm in the Highland Lakes. We have water everywhere. But our cities, our towns, recycle water. They recycle it for their parks, for everything that they can. So they're not using the drinking water. Innovative uses of water and agricultural production will allow Texas to be green and grow. There are methods of uh, irrigation, low flow, 
cover crops, things that you can really get your seek your teeth into and get things to work perfectly. Well, maybe not perfectly, but better than they are now. We don't waste water. We need enough clean water, particularly in rural Texas. Our streams, everything is so delicate. There's a delicate balance out there. We can't just keep polluting willy-nilly and doing this and doing that. We've got to make sure that our water stays clean. Sustaining our aquifers. Whoa. That does require thinking about the future as well as today. I was in San Antonio in 92 when they voted down the Applewhite Reservoir. They weren't thinking about the future at all. They were simply thinking about their situation today and how it might affect them and they might have to pay a little bit more money in order to build the reservoir. They didn't want to do it and they're suffering for it. We need to save the water. If scientists are correct, then there is no quick end to our drought. I mean, it's just not in sight. If the population continues to grow, especially in urban areas, then a drain on our natural resources will continue and worsen. It is possible for Texas to conserve this valuable resource. However, it will require a concerted, concentrated effort. Promoting xeriscaping, reducing the amount of impervious cover, and ensuring our water resources remain free of pollutants will all help. Some do claim that if we remove invasive cedar trees, which are all over my area, they stay green all year, they spread quickly and can take over grassland and they drink a lot of water. That will also alleviate some of the problem. It's really up to us. If we want to save the water, we will have to come up with a solution or solutions that work. We can do it if we put our minds to it. Here are my references. They're ordered in the sequence in which they appear in the presentation. As you can see, it's fairly diverse. And there's links on to all of them for validation and verification.